0: Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Adrian, and with me today is my, is my dancing colleague, co-host, and cohort, Jake.
1: See, so for those of you with the Patreon or the B Movie TV, you get to actually see us, right? And in my background, I got like the Alien Queen with her wiggly tentacle arms. So I'm just trying to channel that kind of fluid motion from the faculty.
0: Oh, I I dig it. I couldn't. Yeah, that is the, the alien. Okay. I couldn't tell because you're like right in front of it.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I wanted it to look like it was coming out of my head. Like when Robert Patrick, you know, the T-1000s all tentacle faced and like, it's raining.
0: <laughs> that's exciting. Well, yeah, the faculty. So, well, I guess you guys can kind of sort of tell that I, between both of our backgrounds, if you are... If you are watching this, Uh, but today we are celebrating the life and works of Kevin Williamson.
1: But he's only 56. So we have plenty of years and more work to come. I don't want this is like a brief career at retrospective because luckily he's still creating and he's going to be the executive producer on the next screen, which I was like, that's quaint.
0: Yeah, that's really exciting. So hopefully we can. Enjoy that sooner than later. So we'll see how that goes, which I believe everyone's coming back for that one, too. That's what I've read. Yeah, that's what they've been saying. So we'll see. That's actually really exciting. It would be nice if a well-known character got killed off in this one, though. What do you think?
1: 100%. That, I think that's well overdue at this point.
0: Exactly. So I um, just get rid of Dewey already. <laughs>
1: I don't know. So, so here's my problem with the Scream sequels is because it's rooted in quote unquote real life. They can't exploit the tropes of so many of the films that they're basically like spoofing. Not that it's completely comedic, but you know, obviously he was a huge fan of. If I'm not mistaken, I read that Halloween is his favorite movie. Well, every sequel comes out of complete fucking nonsense. But Scream is like. Scream sequels are kind of more like soap opera sequels where it's like, oh, it was the brother's sister's mistress all along. Yeah, for sure. Like, I want Scream 5 to start with a fucking seance and they like resurrect the two goons from the first one. And Billy's just like bleeding out of his torso the whole time uh, with like hellfire.
0: Oh, that would be really cool. See? It was rumored Matthew Lillard would be coming back or whatever for this one. So obviously Stu's not going to be alive, but I'd really like to see like a good dream sequence or something with both of them back.
1: Why, why, why do you say that? He was just stabbed in the tummy a bunch. Yeah, he could be alive through that. Billy, I think, is deadified with the bullet to the brain. Yeah. But I've always thought that Stu would be perfect to come back. Like, you know, especially if you make him as gangly as Dewey with like the severed nerve where like all of his appendages don't work. Because Ghostface is so fucking ridiculous when he's flopping around. Just put. Yeah. You know, I realize now that I said it out loud, that might look very ableist. So maybe we don't <laughs> do that.
0: Well, no. Okay. So maybe not as the killer, but where would he have been this whole time?
1: An institution. Ed Gein lived for a long time, institutionalized. So... OK, you know, he immediately goes out of intensive care and then gets institutionalized because, you know, he was just going along with it. You know, we don't yeah. actually know. That's the fun thing about it is you don't know what violence necessarily he committed versus Billy. And so you could always do that. Well, you know, boys will be boys. You know, he was just wrangled um. into something he wasn't prepared for. And because you can't like parse who did what and I'm sure his affluent family could pay for it he could be like your next cotton weary
0: true now do you think he killed tatum his girlfriend in the first one yeah i I think that
1: you know my logical brain says yeah but my narrative brain for this wink wink story would say no but yeah i mean like that's like half the fun and it also goes to like the homoerotic subplot between them which i think is very interesting like i've read a bunch that and i was like ooh, this fan fiction is saucy (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I definitely want to touch on that today.
1: Did you ever see the Gus Van Sant elephant movie? I think is what it was called. Where it was like the Columbine thing, like the bulimic girls and like the two school shooters end up fucking in the shower before they go kill everyone.
0: Yeah, I feel like I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it wasn't very good. But it, that's what that reminded me of when I was reading some of the theories. I was like, all right, cool.
0: I don't know. I that you're bringing it back. I'm like, I, get, I think I have seen that. And I don't. Oh, my gosh. If you think anyway. you're going to
1: die that day, you you fuck something. You know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess so. What, Which is interesting because I was before we started the notes and everything, I was reading up a bunch on some of the films because I know that a lot of his later films were sort of not influenced, but affected by the Columbine shooting. So I know that big time. So, you know, obviously the name of Teaching Mrs. Tingle was changed from Killing Mrs. Tingle to Teaching Mrs. Tingle,
1: which I actually like that change.
0: Yes, because that that makes a lot more sense. But again, I think they did do a lot of rewrites for that movie as well because of Columbine, and, yeah. I, and I believe for Scream Two and and Three, it just it felt like those events sort of kind of influenced some of the a lot of his movies at, at that time. Not influenced them as 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 in you know whatever, but affected them. And so I think it's really important to always look at the history surrounding some of these movies because all of these things happen, right? Oh yeah, after ninety nine, and it's sort of kind of changed the the tone of things for a little while. I don't know if it has reverted back.
1: I think that, you know, there's always that joke about like a post 9/11 world where we're all a little bit more sardonic and everything. And I think that's true to a huge extent. But like I think we've had criticism on the show where people are like don't get political, like horror is supposed to be recreational and blah blah. you if you don't look at things contextually, you could pretend that shit isn't political or whatever, but like there are very clear things when you look through history, what it's being a commentary on, and this kind of pervasive MTV culture, which I think has expounded so much. Like Scream is so fascinating to me because Scream existed in the pre true crime fad. Yeah. Right. So, it, what would we have today? should be like the people who are like, oh, well, I want to watch my fifth John Wayne Gacy documentary or whatever, because like that's what's become kind of the, the trendy new thing. And I think that, you know, especially if you want to get super niche, like our audience a little bit more when it comes to horror, there's, there's so many things that haven't been explored upon. But I feel like everything in life, media has become exponentially more exaggerated. So the stuff that he was dealing with, with, you know, Columbine and all of these things and some of the kind of, you know, tongue in cheek humor, everything like your average Instagram post is, you know, addled with that much. So you'd have to go even
0: further, I think, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And there's an entire documentary for our listeners, if you haven't seen it, uh, Nightmares in Red, White and Blue. I think it's on Prime right now. Not on Prime. I, I know. It's on Tubi right now. So you can watch it for free on Tubi. That entire documentary goes through the history of horror in America and all of the things that influenced these films at the time. So for someone to say that horror is not political, I think it's a common, it's all a commentary on something. Well,
1: and it's much more than the, Nature of like action. Action is always somewhat objectively enthralling because it's of its dynamism, but horror only matters when it's subverting, when it's the stakes are something that you're impressing upon it. And how do you do that with your human experience? So by doing that commentary, it's reflecting and it's triggering something in your life or your history or something that makes it relative. You know, like if I'm watching a John McClane movie and he kills a fucking helicopter with a car. Whether I'm five or I'm 50, like, okay, that's visually stimulating. But like a situation where I have to kind of reconcile, you know, the idea of this tortured child who has created this crazy scheme in his head where somebody's adulterous affair ruined his life and he goes into a blood fury and embroils other people into it. That's mm-hmm. you know. There's so many different things you have to do because on in and of itself, it's not going to be that grand. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. That sounded probably. Yeah. A, I probably said what would Doug say? The Criterion Collection. Meh. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. That's that's one of the great things about Kevin Williamson's work is you could just kind of like be pithy and be like, ah, it's it's satire." But if you don't get satire with it being a little bit elevated to everything else, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit, for
0: sure. Or what is it? PBS. It's our PBS there special we go. today. <laughs>
1: Your 10 penny words.
0: Oh, we missed Doug. (laughs) So I just wanted to sort of go into a brief history about Kevin Williamson because we're celebrating him this month for Pride Month because he is openly gay and he has been out, so to speak, you know, in the public eye since 1992, which I thought was interesting.
1: That's a tough gig. We talked to Darren Stein about it. I mean, people were not very kind.
0: No, no, for sure. So and oh, Darren Stein. I love him so much. So. You know, he was born, obviously, in 1965, because we said, what did we, how old is he? He's 56? 56. Yeah. So he was born in 65 in North Carolina, which is where Dawson's Creek is filmed, for those of you who don't know, because I'm a huge Dawson's Creek fan. I was going to put Dawson behind me, but I didn't know if that would be appropriate considering we're a horror podcast, but whatever.
1: I've never watched an episode, though I do have a family member who's named after the titular character. Oh.
0: Oh, that's so sweet.
1: James Vanderbeek's a fucking delight. So I don't know why I've never tried it. Like everything I see him, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the Dawson's Creek guy. He was like the Power Rangers thing where he's like, ga ga, 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 ga I fucking die, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. And I'm like, this is great. He, oh, he's great in it.
0: Everybody. Well, it, it was so of the time, and the reason there are a lot of episodes actually that are like their horror episodes or their their Halloween special episodes, and they're actually very good. So if you ever want to skip around and just watch those, then I recommend you doing that.
1: Yeah, in my copious amounts of free time, I'll watch a twenty-year-old show about stuff I don't care. Yeah, for sure. No, That's do true. That.
0: Yeah, don't, no, you're not going to watch it. I know it's okay.
1: Never going to happen. I'm nodding, but I'm lying. <laughs>
0: I talked to you in that meme that, you know, basically my life is just like telling people like, yeah, they're telling me to watch something. So I add it to the list, but then I have no intention of ever watching it. Or even adding into the list.
1: My list is longer than 20 miles of dicks. It's just not ever going to be gotten through. I can't do it.
0: No, I don't know. I don't even know how you even do what we're doing right now.
1: Like I don't know either.
0: Where you find time to do this. <laughs>
1: so. And I'm reading like three books right now. My wife's like, because she's going through and she's trying to get rid of a bunch of shit. And she's like, well, clearly we could donate this. I'm like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that. And she goes, what? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You're so. going <laughs> to... I just like my gray matter dripping out of my nose from stress.
0: Oh, well, you know, reading is nice because it helps me sleep. So I usually read right before bed. So there's that.
1: That's the fun thing. I read like actual books and stuff when I'm awake. And then I read comic books when I'm supposed to fall asleep because the pretty pictures keep my brain alive. So I could just keep going, (laughs) reading this fucking Doctor Strange thing right now. And I'm really enjoying it. But the other night I was like, oh, fuck. Like I I told myself one comic and I read an entire story arc. and I was like, God damn it. This is a bad idea.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't read something that you're going to really want to finish right before bed, especially. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Yeah. Back to Kevin.
1: Thanks, Jason Aaron, by the way.
0: So Dawson's Creek, it does take place in, in Massachusetts, but it's filmed in North Carolina. Anyways, he he lived there as a small child, then the family moved to Texas, then they moved back to North Carolina. He got his Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater Arts in North Carolina. And then he moved to New York City and he got New York City. Sorry. Yeah, initially <laughs>
1: Pace Bacante. This, this episode of Slash's podcast brought to you by a 20 year old commercial about, fu- no, longer than 25. 27 year old commercial about chunky restaurant style salsa.
0: I never got that commercial as a kid because I lived in New York <laughs> when I was a kid. So I'm like, what? What's the problem? I don't understand. Anyway.
1: I like the commercial because I I really love city slickers and Westerns as a kid. And so when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's the one commercial that looks like something completely different.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, So, oh, my God, we're never going to get through this. No, we're not. So.
1: And I'm the one with the time crunch today. And I'm like, "Eh, I'm just going to derail you as much as I can.
0: (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. There's only two of us that we can get through this. I know we can do it. So anyway, he initially wanted to be an actor. He, you know, he wasn't going to do what what he's doing now, which his net worth is, I think I was reading $55 million. I'm like, ooh.
1: And his partner's like super rich too. So I'm like, fuck you guys. It's not fair.
0: Yeah, he's on on something. I, I was reading about it.
1: George Strapanopatopoulos or something. So, so he's George yeah. <laughs> Kotsiopoulos, fashion police.
0: Yes. Yes. So he does that. That's really cool. So, but he doesn't really consider himself a writer. He just considers himself a screenwriter. He eventually moved to LA for some small roles and in living color, but he started taking screenwriting classes at UCLA and that's where he was inspired to write Teaching Mrs. Tingle. And fun fact, he did write a short story loosely based on this girl getting stalked by some guy on the phone. I thought
1: that was a one act. Am I wrong?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was like a one little thing. And then they, it eventually became the beginning of Scream.
1: Which is so good. Yeah. like one of the things I think would be really interesting is to do that as a stage production where you don't hear Ghostface. Because if you have a really well-acted Drew Barrymore in that scene, just Mm -hmm. hearing half of that conversation and how drastically it changes could be so interesting. And then it'd be kind of fun to see the other half of the conversation where you have Ghostface as he's talking and disemboweling someone and getting all that. Like, that's kind of fun. He's multi I bet he had a Bluetooth, like, boop.
0: (laughs) I think he would have had a beeper back then, though, right? All right? there you go. But it'd actually be really cool to see it from his, like, first-person point of view, right? So, it like, is. he's on the phone, and you see him watching her, Ooh. and then whatever he does with the, the boyfriend at that one. Anyway.
1: Very uh, Michael Myers, Halloween, Kevin Williamson's favorite movie. Bam! Exactly. We brought it around. We're staying on topic even in our derivations. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That's why you pay us the big bucks, Patreon patrons. We appreciate you. Everybody else, yeah, but you guys so much.
0: Yes, we do appreciate you guys. And don't forget, any tier this month, we are doing our one-minute reviews, so make sure you get in on that. So let's talk a little bit about his filmography, and then I do want to get into his TV, because anytime I feel like I really like something that I find funny, that's a little dark, whatever, I always notice his name is on it. And everything he does, I... Even cursed. Even cursed. I will defend cursed. (laughs) Okay?
1: The rough direct-to-DVD Wes Craven joint? Yeah, that's... Sure.
0: No, I think it came out in the movie theater. Oh, did didn't it? it? Okay. I I'm pretty sure I saw it at the movies. So that was the last time I saw it. But I was reading a lot about it as I was doing research for the the show today. And Milo Ventimiglia is in it. Oh my god! Which I love him, Anyway, So that's a whole other thing. We'll get to that in a minute.
1: I'm ashamed of how much Gilmore Girls I've seen, given that I'm betrothed to my wife. Happy anniversary. I think this is a couple days after that It's one of this will release. And she obviously listens to every episode religiously. Bullshit. But Milo Vig- <laughs> Vigdemelia, the guy who has rocky mouth, he's in that and he's annoying. So I know some soap opera stuff.
0: I know he's in that, but I love him. I think he's great. Jess. Oh, my God. Ugh.
1: He's such a petulant little shit. He's like, oh, I don't really like being here, even though it's a... Cush-ass gig where I get to live with my cool uncle who's all, like, cool and has a backwards hat all the time. (laughs) Think about it. This kid plays Rocky Balboa's son in Rocky Balboa, right? Yes. He has the same mouth as Sylvester Stallone, right? And he lives with a guy who has a backwards hat, which means he's living with a guy from over the top who is always ready, willing, and able to beat the fuck out of you in an arm wrestling match. And you're just like, huh? Like, you better be jazzed to the tits about living. but Whatever. Move on.
0: Well, his mom kind of got rid of him. So? because She didn't want to take care of him anymore. So he was My mom chose
1: drugs over me. Tough shit. Tough shit. Milo Ventimiglia. And it's all fiction. Yes,
0: it is fiction. I'm not
1: kidding. <laughs> I'm taking this to a real dark place right now.
0: You are. And the thing is, like, <laughs> you clearly have not finished it because he eventually be like grows up. He grows the fuck up.
1: And she gets impregnated by the wrong guy.
0: Exactly. What oh, is this bullshit? Me started on the. That's
1: oh. why I don't like TV shows until they're over. You know, like How I Met Your Mother. That's the worst fucking ending to anything ever. Yeah. That blue horned son of a bitch.
0: The whole, but you know, I never. The only thing I really liked from that show was Neil Patrick yep. Harris. Everybody else can go suck a dick. Even and sorry, but I love Jason Siegel. He's not even that great in it. Not really. So, what the fuck are we talking about? Anyways. Everything else.
1: <laughs> That's what's great is I can derail you. But when Doug's here, he helps you stay linear because you're like, all right. It, it helps to mute Jake. But when it's undiluted one to one Jakeism, you're like, God, shut up.
0: Well, no, because, like, these are things that I like to talk about, I know. too, so now I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you suck. anyway. We're
1: very, very close to your one-year anniversary on this show, and we did the Bad Batch. You know that?
0: I know. Oh, my gosh. you are going to shed a tear. Ugh.
1: And you've built no tolerance to my bullshit. You're like,
0: yeah, let's get derailed. Yeah, I know. Isn't that sad? Well, that, this is why this works, I feel like. Like, this works. So, eventually, we'll get to the point of the, this episode. Anyway.
1: So, the first movie he d- pens but doesn't produce is directed by somebody else, even though he wanted to direct it. I thought that was really interesting. Did you? I tried to find that screen test online. Could you find that?
0: No, no, I didn't even see that. So
1: apparently he did a directorial test to actually direct screen himself. And Weinstein was like, mm, well, we'll test it. So they do the bathroom scene and he has Rose McGowan in it. Selma Blair, who ends up being the next scream. And then he shoots it and they're just like, look, you're a nice guy. It's a good script. We're not fucking giving this to you. We're giving it to Wes Craven. So whatever. But then he ended up going on to some other stuff. But that was really interesting. Just given the fact that, like you said, he wanted to be an actor, then became a screenwriter, then almost immediately tried to become a director. And I feel like that's kind of aimless. And I feel like after Halloween H2O, there's a much more streamlined method to his madness. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I agree. And, and he's, he does direct some of the episodes for the shows that he does too. And he did direct Teaching Mrs. Tingle, aka Killing Mrs. Tingle, right? So, uh, and that he wrote, he actually wrote that. Uh, well, I guess it was a little bit after he did the opener for Scream, but uh, he wrote Teaching Mrs. Tingle while he was in college. And then I guess it got bought by production company all the way back in 95 and just sat on the shelf. So he didn't really get to do it, I guess, until 99. But look at this cast, this fucking cast. Helen Mirren stars in this movie. Helen fucking Mirren is in this movie. And this is why we're talking about later. Teaching Mrs. Tingle is honestly my most favorite of his films.
1: Really? Okay. The faculty is mine. So that's funny.
0: Well, I love the faculty as well, but teaching Mrs. Tingle just has this really special place in my heart. Yeah, I, I just absolutely adore this film. Obviously, it has Katie Holmes, which you know was also in, in Dawson's Creek. Marissa Coughlin is in it. And we talked about her and Freddie Got Fingered, and she's great in this movie too. I'm really sad that we don't see her in more. But Jeffrey Tambor is in it. Molly Ringwald does her little cameo. So like, it's a really fun cat. Barry Watson, how could I forget? And he was so dreamy back then as Luke. Yeah, he had his long, pretty hair still. And I'm like, oh, I love you. Is he like bald now? Yeah, well, I know he cut his hair. Remember when he did, what was it? Sorority Boys, I think is when he started cutting his hair. Do you remember that one?
1: Oh, wow. It's a (laughs) Wookiee with Harley. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe I remember that movie.
0: That was such a funny movie. I'm sure it's really problematic now. Was Michael Rosenbaum in that? Michael Rosenbaum was in it. He was was really pretty, too, (laughs) as a
1: girl. Lex Luther. I had a, one of my good friends. We used to improv and stand up together. It was Michael Rosenbaum as well? Not the same one. And so we never called him Michael ever. Never Mikey. It was always just Bomb because every every and he was bald too. Every fucking <laughs> time somebody would hear his name, go, oh, and you're bald. It's like you're Lex Luthor. It's like oh god. It's like being friends with someone named Jenny whose last name is eight six seven five three zero nine.
0: That's cute. Anyway. <laughs> Now I'm getting derailed again. Thank you very much. So, but anyways, Teacher Mrs. Tingle is my favorite just because it's really, I'm really sad that we didn't get the initial draft of what he did because it was supposed to be really dark. They were actually supposed to kill her. Yeah and all of these things. So that would be really cool. It'd be really fun if we could get something like that or if I could find the script. I I didn't try looking for it because I knew that it would distract me and then I probably wouldn't get anything else done. So I did not look for it, but maybe maybe it's out there somewhere, who knows. But it really hit home for me because Katie Holmes is working her ass off. Like her mom doesn't really make any money. Her teacher is disparaging her. Like she's a really rotten teacher to this poor girl. And Katie Holmes does not deserve it. Any of that. And she's she's trying working her ass off. And and it was I that was that was basically who I was. Like I was, you know, of all my friends, like we didn't have any money growing up. All my other friends were more in the affluent community, and I'm like just there. Like I couldn't afford books sometimes. And we don't were- you
1: love being sent to an arcade with your friends and you have like a dollar and all your friends are like, Oh yeah, play this, and you're
0: like, I'll watch. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and, and the sad thing is, is that I was cognizant enough to know that I needed to work harder than everybody else if I needed to get anywhere because no one was going to pay for my college. I can, you know, no one's going, no one can help me at home with any of my homework. Like I had to do it all on my own. Yeah. Like I got virtually no help from my parents or anything. And not that my parents were bad parents or, or anything, but, you know, they were going through a divorce and, you know, we didn't have any money, we were broke. And then it, eventually I was just living alone with my mom. So I always, felt like i was katie Holmes, so i just saw myself as her although i never did get to date barry watson but that's another story
1: never got to yet yes (laughs) there's always a chance
0: well i guess dan sort of has long hair so there you go sorta Uh, (laughs) well it's very willy wonka-esque
1: right i know
0: for dan so okay 96 was scream
1: which was originally a Scary Movie.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and by the way, I'm like not a Scary Movie fan. So Scary Movie too. that opening
1: with James Woods before he went crazy. It's a really good opening. And that also has the dick tucked in, tucked out bit. There's some good stuff in there. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just remember Chris Elliott with the little hands. What one was that's that? That's too. Is that two? Yeah. Okay, so then I saw that one.
1: Okay. I do my bum busters every day. Come on, Chris Elliott fucking rules.
0: Dan always plays that randomly on YouTube on the TV sometimes that one part I'm like I fucking hate this (laughs) anyways so we have then we have 97 with I Know What You Did Last Summer which was based on a fucking book did you know that? yes and you never bought the book at the book fair? nope Like, yeah. So I would get so excited when the book fair would roll around because they'd always have a copy. And then for some reason, every year, somehow I would lose it. So or maybe somebody took it from me. I don't know. So I probably bought three copies of it and never got to read it. I don't even think though it's completely, it's very loosely based on the book.
1: Because they kill a little kid in the book.
0: Yeah, I think so. I I can't remember.
1: Well, no, I'm looking at the cover of it and it has a child mangled in a bicycle by a car. So, yeah.
0: Oh, no, It's not no, subtle I, at all. <laughs> I never saw that cover. I only saw the one from the movie cover.
1: <laughs> so what is it in the movie? It, it, it's the guy. Is it his twin brother? Who's the killer in that? I haven't seen it in so long because I, I couldn't have cared less about that movie.
0: Oh, my God. You know, it's actually real. I actually really enjoy part two. So, no, it's the the guy who... They, they, they tried to it was like a red herring because remember that it was Anne Heche's brother. They thought it was and it wasn't. Yeah. It was the guy who Anne Heche's brother. I was like, Shit. Oh, my God.
1: See? No, that's the point, because that movie gets so muddled because I don't know anybody who can like give me the one sentence synopsis of that film. I don't know anybody because all of us are like vaguely familiar with it. We all remember the hook and the fucking, you know, Long John Silver's outfit.
0: Yeah. And Johnny Galecki is in it too. And I love how he gets the hook up his up his That's chin and he drags him across. That is such a good scene. And then one of my favorite chase scenes is with Sarah Michelle Gellar. The fact that she died, like she should have lived. Take out fucking what's her name? She was a pain in the ass. She was a pain in the ass in part two. I'm like, why, why does she get to live? And poor Sarah Michelle Gellar, who like... It's like literally like the longest chasing, I think. Right. Like how many minutes is it? I was looking that up and I forgot. But yeah, it's a super long, like it takes forever. And then he finally gets her at the end. It's like so sad because I'm like, she tried so hard to get away and she didn't.
1: So the killer spoiler alert is revealed to be Ben Willis, who's not the guy from the beginning.
0: No, he murdered. So they ran him over after he murdered the, Anne Heche's brother.
1: Right, right. No doubt. No doubt.
0: So he deserved to get hit by the car. And then in part two, it's his son who's like avenging him.
1: Son of Ben Willis. That's what they should have called that fuck. I would definitely see that. I I won't ever see. I know what you did last summer too, but I would definitely see some (laughs) bizarre ass movie called Son of Ben Willis. I'd be like, who the fuck is Ben Willis? And why is his son so noteworthy?
0: (laughs) You've got to watch part two because it is the stupidest thing. Like They get... First of all, they don't know the capital of Brazil. So they win a radio contest, but the radio contest was rigged by the sun. And they said that the capital of Brazil, I think, was Rio de Janeiro, but it's Brasilia. Yes. And I know this because I work in immigration. <laughs> the there you go.
1: I know. I know it because of jiu But yeah, that's that's oh, about yeah. as much as I know.
0: Yeah. So there's that. So right off the bat, you know that there's something wrong if you if you know anything about geography. And so they end up going to this this like Caribbean island. I can't remember if it's Bahamas or whatever. And the, like a hurricane comes and what's his name that i I why can't I think of his name? The oh, animator. Yes. Yeah, he he's in Jeffrey it. Jeffrey Combs. Yes, yes, Jeffrey comes in. And
1: I'm assuming that he also he mated with Storm from the X-Men, and then that's why he has the, the weather controlling powers. He's a weather witch.
0: Well, he's not the um the killer. Oh,
1: okay. Well it's fine.
0: No, the, the killer's the, the little dorky white guy that's like likes Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> I almost called her the other name.
1: The other name that everybody calls her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's what Dan says or
1: my mom called her that too.
0: And you know I never noticed her boobs are that big, but they are pretty big like for her she's tiny. Yeah.
1: She has a very skeletal frame and then it's like, oh, those are oblong?
0: Yeah, they do bounce around, so I, are they fake? I don't know. I never really looked at them too much. But anyway, so what the fuck are we talking? This is I can't do this with you.
1: <laughs> You're talking about a movie he didn't even do. Move on. Scream 2 happens. And it, he wrote it and an executive produced it. And then he didn't do another scream until four, which was mildly mm-hmm. better than three. Yeah. And then he does Halloween H2O 20 years later, which was the biggest letdown in the world because I thought it was going to take place on a boat. I was so excited for Michael Myers on a boat. Because of the H2O. Why else would you call it that?
0: Because it's Halloween 20 years later.
1: Okay, then Why don't you call it Halloween 20 years later? I don't know,
0: but I do love that movie.
1: You're talking to a kid who loves movies like Deep Rising, Deep Blue Sea, The Deep. I love ocean shit.
0: Oh, Deep Blue Sea is good. It's so I love good. Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Oh, but for for Scream too, I don't even think like so. He was bullied by surprise, Bob Weinstein, for that one. Did you know, he um, he said that it was a bad year. He's like, I was doing a lot of work, and I remember Bob sent henchmen down to Wilmington, North Carolina, where I was shooting Dawson's Creek, and they locked me in a room and made me write Scream too. Like, can you believe that? Like, the man is busy. Like, let him live his life.
1: Scream 2 is one half of a season of Days of Our Lives subplot. That's all that is, you know? It's not well-written. Yeah. It is bereft of passion. It is just mm-hmm. kind of there. Like, everybody who talks about it talks about it predominantly as a novelty. And I will always talk about how the only thing I remember from seeing that movie, because I haven't seen it in so long, I just don't care about it, it was the fact that Nev Camel is supposed to be wearing a bulletproof vest, but she has the giantest boobs that are moving around like Jennifer Love Huey's And like, that doesn't work. I don't believe that. You know what that comes down to? Comes down to the fact he doesn't care because he's gay. We're celebrating his gayness. (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) I know that probably comes across as crass and insensitive, but I have to make fun of the hetero (laughs) guy who the one takeaway, I am the butt of that joke that the only thing I care about is some actress who I'm objectifying. I'm the bad
0: guy. Well, that is, but you're right though, because like, how would her boobs be moving around if she was wearing that? And wouldn't you see, like, I completely understand. So I get it. Go look at a cop. Go look at a cop who has like
1: the dare haircut, you know? And if you'll not, you can't tell if it's a woman or a guy. Same thing. Oh my God. Look like a fucking centurion from ancient Sparta, for Christ's sake. That's what you look like in a bulletproof vest. You don't look like this voluptuous love goddess who ends up marrying the rock in that high rise movie where he's got one leg. Amputee architect, man. Oh, that was a good movie. What's it
0: called? <laughs> I forgot, but I actually did like that one. Skyscraper. Yeah, that was that was a cute one. I, I did. I shed a tear. I derailed you again talking about The Rock. I knew I could do it. Ninety-eight, Holly H2O, and the faculty. The faculty. You said that. Okay, so the, well, let's just take a moment to talk about the faculty because you say it's your favorite.
1: We've already done it on this show. I love this mm-hmm. movie. I know it's just Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but it is done very well. It is like the perfect elevator pitch movie. You know where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, it's this, but it's this. Boom. You're giving yeah. me something that's familiar, but you're also doing it in a different way. It's the quintessence of what I like. About it. I'm like, Scream is great. Scream is done to death. You know, it, it's yeah. all the stuff that's come out of it. And I think that The Faculty, if it had like six mediocre sequels, probably wouldn't be shit. But I really love that movie. I think it holds up remarkably well. Same thing that we're talking about, and I think he's also like a, a better screenwriter and stuff. I think that like some of the things make a little more sense. The payoff is greater, even though it's a little bit more obvious in the faculty. But yeah, two thumbs yeah. up for that movie. So I'm very happy that neither of us favorite is Scream because that would be so plebeian and trite, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Because basic, it is basic because we Scream did a lot for the genre and and did a lot for horror in general. So I'm not going to knock Scream or say it's a bad movie. But everybody, literally, everyone has seen it. Yeah. Everybody. Every, this is not, you know, it's, the faculty, I think, is a little more niche in, in that respect. Because it, even though it's horror, it's also science fiction.
1: Yeah, that's fair. So,
0: and also, too, with the faculty, except for the beginning, with, when, when, what's her she gets the pencil through the hand yeah they do a lot of character building and i don't think it's like almost like it's 45 minutes into the movie when something like happens like really happens and we figure out oh my god they're fucking aliens or whatever so but you don't even notice that like you don't even notice that nothing's happening because you're just getting engrossed in these characters and that's what's so beautiful about the faculty is that we have all of these really well thought out characters it's a shame what happens to some of them at the end because i don't like you know i don't agree that stokely would fucking wear that outfit so no
1: That feels like a studio edit, right? Like that's just like a nice bow that I don't think is there. But I guess it's a visual cue. So you save five minutes, right? Rather than having her have the scene where she's like writing in her journal and she's like, but things are going to be okay now. Smiley face. And she signs her name with like a heart, like in the E or something. Instead, it's just like, I wear colors now.
0: Yeah, I wear colors and I got the jock. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and arguably Stokely, you know, she does represent, even though she's not gay in the movie, but she, they and they do reference a lot of, they, they do drop the F bomb. Yep. Delilah's very vicious against Stokely, especially about her sexuality. They call
1: her a dyke openly, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. So, you know, it's interesting that Kevin Williamson puts these things in these movies because I'm sure these are things that he's, experienced or people he knows experienced and and these are probably like just you know very rotten things for kids to say to each other but that was the time so i think that he he hit the nail on the head with the faculty i i adore it i i was in love with Zeke, even though he's a piece of shit um yeah (laughs) but Josh hartnett was so good in that movie and even you know and of course you have elijah wood he's so
1: good i love elijah wood so
0: cute in that movie Yeah. yeah
1: All right. Let's move on. If you want to hear Jake's thoughts, not AIDS, because she wouldn't be on the show for another almost two years, check out our old episode on the faculty. Then we have Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Tingle. I wanted to see if I could piss you off.
0: No, you're not pissing me off. (laughs) Well, Teaching Mrs. Tingle at 99, Scream 3, 2000, Cursed and Venom came out in 2005. So again, I will defend Cursed because of the presence of Milo Ventimiglia. And actually he turns out to be, he plays a gay character in that movie. And so I thought that was interesting because I don't think he's done that before. And I can't believe not that I can't believe it, but that was 2005. People still weren't very
1: accepting.
0: Accepting, yeah. Yep. So I really, you know, happy that he did that. And then uh, scream for
1: say what you will about his Venom movie. At least it doesn't have Tom Hardy doing a Woody Allen impression in a lobster tank. Fuck out of here with this.
0: I admit I don't think I've seen Venom, or if I did, I don't remember.
1: I'll do you one better. I won't see it. Okay. I love that. I, this is something I have to get on a pulpit real quick. When people are like, "I'm not going to see Catwoman. I'm not going to see Electra. But then like they'll see every like male dominated superhero movie. I'm not going to see Captain Marvel. Like mm, eh, that that just feels weird. So I try to actively select male led superhero films that suck so Halle Berry is in the same exact camp as Tom Hardy well
0: I like Catwoman though you don't like that movie I like that movie
1: with her open toed high heel shoes and bare midriff
0: yeah but she looked cute I mean she's not but she's not the cat whatever anyways we're not talking about Catwoman so
1: they should have called it feline friend (laughs) because <laughs> it wasn't Catwoman.
0: Oh, my God. All right. So now let's move on to TV really quick. I, I just wanted to touch one more time on Dawson's Creek, but another really great show that I love that I didn't realize he wrote till I was watching the credits one day was is, is Vampire Diaries. And I never even wanted to see that show. I could give two shits about it when it was on the air. I didn't think that Ian Summerholder was that cute from the commercials. Right i mean now that now that i've watched the show he's fucking sexy on the show it's a it's not just like his look like his character i should say
1: no you gotta look at his image on wikipedia he has who the fuck farted face
0: (laughs) with his eyebrows he's like
1: (laughs) (laughs) i know legitimately everybody stop listening to this episode and go look at it oh my god now i have to look he looks like if I've done this face to my kids when we're in public and like the kid rips ass, and I'm like, who
0: oh, the fuck fart? Which one are you kids? Oh my God. Oh yeah.
1: Who the fuck farted face? That's exactly how I would describe it.
0: Poor Ian Summerholder. So this isn't an Ian Summerholder bashing them in. But I was like, why do I really like this show? Why do I think it's funny? Like, And I'm looking, I'm like, Kevin Williamson like, has his fucking hand in it. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, this is, of course, this is why I like this show. I'm sad that I didn't watch it as it was on air. And I and I hate to say I haven't finished it yet because the storyline's tipping a little. I don't know how long, Kate. Let me take a look at my notes uh, really quick. It's eight
1: years worth of TV. So no.
0: Oh yeah, he still wrote it to the end. Wow. Okay.
1: Just like Dawson, he came back to the very end with the two-part finale. I, I did a little bit of research. A little
0: bit. Well, oh my god. Well, you didn't watch the two-part finale, so we can't even can't even talk about it. Oh my god.
1: Was it fulfilling?
0: Well, I'm glad. I'm happy that she picked Pacey. Right. People are not happy about that.
1: The payoff. The whole the whole show working up to that.
0: Yeah, but I, I think that Pacey was better better for her because it, it's always sort of implied. And because Dawson's based on his personality. Gotcha. I feel like Dawson might be gay.
1: Good. That'd be way more interesting.
0: I don't think that they would have. Obviously, he didn't write him that back, you know, like that. Because Jack's character in the show. So Jack's arc in the show, he's the gay character. He was the jock. And then he comes out and his father throws him out. Jen's grandmother has to take him in. So Jack's arc in in the show really, I think, helps cement my acceptance and me being an ally and and stuff. Because you never really saw gay characters like this in in anything before before this, at least. I mean, you know, because you before we had the birdcage, like you see, gay men as very feminine, yeah. You know, over the top or or drag queens, and you, you see them in that manner, right? But you don't see them this way. And because Jack is, is so conflicted so much in the show and there is a couple of episodes where his boyfriend gets beat the shit out of. And, you know, it's just just a really beautiful storyline for Jack. And I'm really glad that we have this and that back then had this because this was such a great show at the time. And the fact that they included this kind of character in it, that he and in all of the changes that he goes through and when his father does come around and accept him and it's just, it's it's really good. So if, if you haven't watched Austin's Creek, and you want to, I, I, I suggest you
1: do so. The closest comparison I have to that is the brother from Paranorman who is like oh, just yeah. a dude who happens to be gay. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people like rioted and protested about a kid's movie yeah. blows my mind because he's just a guy who happens to have a boyfriend. What's the big fucking deal? I have a shirt that I like that, well, it's not as relevant now, but it just says some dudes marry dudes. Get over it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't see who the problem is. And, you know, and I, I will say that my mom was, I, and I don't know if this was her intention at the time, but I remember we were watching an episode of Roseanne. This is when I was super young and the lady at the bar kisses her. And that was really like a little kid. Like I didn't, you know, I never had seen that before. And all my mom said was, you know, some, some women like women and some men like men. And that's just, that's it. Boom. And then she never, like, that was Explained. it. Explained. At, from then on, I got it. Like, I just got it. Like, I didn't think it was a problem. And so he, the fact that people make it such a big issue, it's like, it's not. It's none of your business. It's nobody, Nobody's hurting you. Well, I take
1: particular offense to, like, the feminization of a lot of gay men in media. Like, the oldest heroes that we have fucked dudes. Gilgamesh fucked dudes. Hercules fucked dudes. Zeus, Achilles. I can go on. They are the Mm -hmm. template of modern superheroes and myth and legend and homosexuality has been there so long and just like so fucking frustrating to see people be like, well, you have to be dainty. You have to be Jack from Will and Grace. And it's like, no, you could just be a guy who wants to have sex with guys. It's totally fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there obviously there are feminine gay men, and that's fine. Just like there's masculine, lesbians, it doesn't matter. Like, you just, who fucking cares? And like, you know, we need to stop looking at things like, you know, generalizing gay characters like this, because we talked about this before. I don't think that you should be exploiting marginalized people because... You need to throw in a gay character just to to be relevant, right? Forced
1: inclusivity, yeah. Because then it's just, it's a quota system. It's affirmative action and it's not organic, I think. And people are smart enough. Our generation, especially, like we grew up with Captain Planet and Magic School Bus where you can see like, here's this, here's this, here's this. And it kind of gets spoken for. And modernly, you see it a little bit and... I think that the the big frustration there is that it almost feels like, like you said, it's not an earnest representation, it's just forced. And I feel that that subverts it because then the people who are reluctant to those ideologies or those identities or those races or creeds or whatever you have it, those people are emboldened because they're acting as though their art is compromised by that inclusion, mm-hmm. not that it's represented. Boom. Beautiful. Thank you. I worked my way back from the. I had my thesis at the end of what I said, so I said a lot of things and then made it made sense.
0: Oh, well, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but you did. No, I completely agree with everything. You can always say a little bit more eloquent, eloquently than I can. So thank you. I appreciate that. So you know, why did we choose Kevin Williamson for Pride Month? It's not just because he's gay, but but because he is a brilliant screenwriter, even though he's just. Quote, he only wants to be referred to as a screenwriter. He does so well with the dialogue between his characters. And you really, really feel for so many of these characters. Like when you're watching Scream, like Tatum is so, I'm like, I'm so drawn to Tatum and her death really meant, like, it was really sad. Yeah, it was a good one. Even Randy's in part two, if you want to get into that, but whatever. But it was, I didn't really want to see Randy go. I do want to see Sydney go.
1: Yeah, for sure. She is so bland ass. Can we talk about that? (laughs) Yes. Like, I know she's supposed to be the final girl archetype, the chased Laurie Strode, but she is so bland in all of those fucking movies. And she, like, squints and looks like a little mouse. And it's just like, (laughs) God damn it. Like, they killed the wrong girl. It should definitely be Dev Campbell in the garage door.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. With Sydney, I feel like she she only comes into her own, like, when it gets serious. I would have liked to see Tatum live to the end in part one. That's the movie I want to see. Like, have Tatum? Go- Wouldn't that be weird? Oh my god! Like, how different would this story?
1: There's an alternate dimension somewhere where that did happen. Yeah. And then the film company that made it isn't called Dimension Films. It's called Alternate Dimension Films.
0: Oh. Oh. Rick and Morty
1: fans are sitting there going like,
0: my florbs. <laughs> so, and then you know, with part four, I we talked about this before. I can't stand Emma Roberts, and so f- for her her stupid ass to have been one of the killers. And I'm like, uh, like I feel like the kids that they picked in part four, they didn't follow like the, like how the kids have always looked in these movies. Right. Because even though the part one, they're in high school, they're played by 20 something year olds. Right. Yeah. I kind of wish that they would have kept that because all of those characters looked like they were 14. Part four was okay. I really liked Courtney Cox in that one.
1: Cause she just looks tired and just annoyed the whole movie. Like I'm doing this fucking shit again. Like, when the fuck is this friends reunion coming up so I can stop doing these and people can stop talking about my bangs from that one movie?
0: Oh, from Scream. I know. Everyone needs to let the bangs go. Like, Courtney's acknowledged it. They suck. We get it. Let's move on. If one more person has to make a comment about it, I'm going to just scream. Oh, Scream. Ah! Ah! Look at you. I try. Okay. But he's a brilliant writer and he's contributed so much to the horror community. And, you know, we wouldn't have these amazing films and, and just, just the nostalgia alone. Like we grew up with these. I remember. My parents rented Scream when it came out. It was, You know, I wasn't even 10. I was eight years old. And all my cousins came over to babysit. The adults went out and we were like, oh, let's put Scream on. And so we watched Scream. Like that was the first time I saw Scream, right? So I was like eight or nine years old. It's just one of those things that you always remember, especially the faculty as well. Like you always remember the faculty. And, and so, and Dawson's Creek is such a great show. So, I mean, he does build these great characters. And so we we wouldn't have these movies without him. And, you know, some of his characters, you know, have issues with authority, but they have internal conflicts too. And, And it's all of them, right? Even Sydney, obviously she's upset her mom's dead. And then, and oh my God, the scandal with Sydney's mom. I mean, Jesus Christ, like she's having an affair. But think about like what the
1: commentary is there. The way I always took it is you're supposed to think Who the fuck cares? Like Billy is is such an unreasonable character for reaching that conclusion of being that fucking crazy, right? And and that again goes to your sexual identity, your endeavors. Like it's nobody's fucking business, and it's and also like when you talk about like the you know the imposed chastity of women, I think is a huge problem where it's like women can be sexual creatures. Like it's completely fine. You don't have to have this whole like like you know it's when you and I were arguing about maybe it's cold outside. Where I'm like, yeah, that's creepy. And you're like, no, like she's having to lie. And then it's like, well, then that's still creepy that she has to lie because of societal pressures to be like, oh, I have to act like I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. To your point, every character has a second character. He really yeah. every movie that he's done, everybody except for like Randy has two characters that you get to see. There's always a shift. And it might be mechanical at a certain point, but it's really important because if you just see the same character, eh, and I think that's one of the things that frustrates me about Nev Campbell is she does not act that second character, the badass part as well. You know, she does the sheepish, meek really well. I'll give her that, but when she comes to rule ass and dominate, yeah, yeah,
0: that's where it falls flat. But like, who else could play Sydney?
1: Anyone? Lacey Bear.
0: Lacey Chabert would have been too young, you know, because this was a party of five times and Lacey Chabert was like a little girl. Perfect.
1: I would be much more sympathetic. I'd be like, Oh, watch out, <laughs> little kid. Don't get stabbed. I just thought of Eliza Thornberry talking to like, hey, bird in the tree, <laughs> can you help me with this ghost face? that keeps flopping around and the bird's like, sure. And then out <gasps> oh, of nowhere, okay. Tim Curry's like smashing. That's the movie I want to see. I've seen Scream the way it is too many times. I need a different version.
0: Yeah, no. Actually, Lacey Chabert is really good and <laughs> that the new Black Christmas. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> you always do this to me. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm getting all my notes in because-
1: I'm gonna go through some of the the noteworthy elements of the second character that we have. I think it, it is best emphasized with the faculty. So okay. you know, you, like if you go to Scream, everybody does except for Randy. You know, you have your your brave character, your weak character, or your true character, your subversive character, who's like who you've secretly been. You know, look at Delilah. Delilah is this prissy bitch who's actually intellectual. You know, you have yeah. Stokely, who is ostensibly very rigid and apart but she does have that side that like her soul wants to be like nurtured. And she wants those interpersonal relationships. Mary Beth mm-hmm. secretly an alien bitch. You have yeah. Zeke who's like, "Hey, I'm going to hit my head against stuff. And he's like, I don't want to hit it. My head against stuff. I don't like that identity. Yeah. And I think like one of the best ones being, you know, Frodo Baggins gets to be like, Hey, I'm sensitive, but I'm also brave. But yeah, how rare is that for movies? And, And for a guy who was fucking copycatted to death like Kevin Williamson from the 90s, that's one thing that none of the Scream clones got is that character element. So they're all so negligible. And that's another reason why I think that I Know What You Did Last Summer really falls off because it's just like, I can't remember a single fucking character from that.
0: Well, and so the thing is with, with, I know what you did last summer, cause I watched it last summer again for the first time. And I can't even tell you how many years it is. It's actually not bad. I, I don't remember really liking it back in the day, but it's really not that bad. And I feel it, it it's just throwing too much at you. There's just so many, there's so many different little things going on. And like I said, with Anne Haitian, the brother, and then the, this and that, like, you know, whatever. But I really like the the fact is that the two most interesting characters are Ryan Phillips and Sarah Michelle Gellar's characters and they're the ones who get killed off and that pisses me off because even though I love Freddie Prince Jr and I was going to marry him back in the day his character and uh Julie's character her name's Julie whatever Jennifer Jennifer their characters are like boring and they they're not that tough and like I don't care about them and so I'm I'm really sad that he he left them alive like, I really didn't like that. And so then, then they both come back in part two. Part two is just really funny. And Brandy's in it. So there's that too. So whatever. I don't think he wrote part two. So we don't need to talk about that. So one thing
1: I'm realizing while we were talking, I, I looked up to see the Scream clones and, and what people's perceptions of them are. And you know what's really funny? Almost every one of these lists that I've found include his other movies where it's like, hmm. oh, Teaching Miss Tingle is, is a scream clone. Really? I don't think so. I, I feel no. like these are written by people who just want to include metadata, but like Urban Legend, that's a scream clone, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, uh, that's not good. Or Valentine, that's a scream clone.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, do you have a scream clone that you do like?
0: I actually like Urban Legend. Okay, that's fair. I, I do like that one. And I'll, t- well, Rebecca Gayhart, obviously, she's so good in it.
1: So she murdered someone with her car.
0: Oh, my God. Stop talking about that. I don't want people to, like, remember her for that. There are
1: things that you can forget about people.
0: The fact that she did a
1: sex tape or whatever.
0: I'm not going to try and bring that
1: up every time. The fact that she murdered someone with a car. Yeah, that's something that you don't get to, like, not include in the metadata. Do you ever see dead Man on campus? Yes. I'm driving with a suspended license. What was it suspended for? <laughs> Attempted vehicular manslaughter. Whatever the fuck
0: that means.
1: That's Rebecca Gayhart. Oh, my God. Except it wasn't attempted.
0: (laughs) That's like Dan's favorite movie. Oh, my God. We watch all the time. It's a good movie. It is actually really good. It's so problematic. Like, I cannot (laughs) believe they made that movie. (laughs)
1: As somebody who advocates for mental health, I'm like, oh, no.
0: No, it's so bad. Anyway, I I probably shouldn't admit that. I do enjoy it. But anyway, with Urban Legend, though, like, you have a lot of fun people in it as well. And... Oh my god there is a plane flying by with a banner that says "Cokehead Matt Gates try to drug test welfare recipients." What? It literally says "Cokehead Matt Gates try to drug test welfare recipients." Where the fuck is my phone? I got to take a picture. Of this.
1: this is the best detour ever. You know what happened? This is this is this is means that God does exist and he's trying to humble me like You might have distracted her like fifty times in this episode, but I'm gonna distract her one really big time, fuck boy.
0: Oh my god! I need to close the window now. Okay.
1: I actually saw Skywriting the other day. It was uh, Joe Rogan is really five foot three, and I was like, wow. Is he? I well, yeah, yeah. I've met him. He's very small, but. Oh my god. I don't want to Google the reasoning behind that. I just love that that happened.
0: That is great. I love that. So anyways, back to Urban Legend, though. Really quickly, though, Robert England's in it. And then we have Daniel Harris is also in Urban Legend well, as that's Well, that's the
1: movie that has the person who killed someone with a car in it?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That person. <laughs> Whatever. I, I fuck Urban Legend. We're not talking about this anymore. So. Anyway, so a couple of fun facts I do want to touch on. I read this really interesting article by Justin Lockwood. He wrote this article called Pride 2020, a tribute to Kevin Williamson. And it is on the website "Gaily Dreadful, Bursting Out of Your Closet. I love the title of that, by the way. That is so cute. And it's got like a little Jason hockey mask and the logo. So there's that.
1: Who would ever derive their logo from Jason? What a fucking idiot.
0: I know. Like, who does that? Idiot. <laughs> But he does say that even though Kevin's work wasn't explicitly gay, really, with the notable exception of Dawson's Creek, which inspired a lot of people at the time, gay themes and characters weren't really at the forefront of his productions, but a certain queer sensibility was there if he knew where to look. It was in the snappy dialogue, like I know what you did last summer, sir, Michelle Geller calling her bitch sister a twit with a wit. It was in the strong, empowered female characters, well, you may disagree with this, like Scream Sydney, maybe not Sydney, but Tatum.
1: That's a pretty weak one, yeah. I mean, I get that she gets to that point, but she isn't to start. So, I mean, I get what they're getting at. That's fair.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I disagree with Sidney, but he does mention Tatum here. And Dawson's complicated Jen Lindley, played by Michelle Williams. It was in the way men were as likely to be sex objects as women, like towel cloud Ryan Phillippe in last, you know, I know what you did last summer, or sweaty, tied-up Jerry O'Connell in Scream 2. Ooh, that was like the best part of Scream 2, by the way. Yeah. It was in the continued emphasis on the lonely outcasts Dawson's motherless Joey, or Scream's geeky love-lorn Randy, or the faculty's adorable Casey, Elijah Wood, I've often shot down my boyfriend's suggestions that I go running with him by quoting Casey. I don't think someone should run unless they're being chased. Yes. So, so I really, really do like this article. I'll share that uh, with everybody in the Discord.
1: Sure. I love it.
0: It's a fun article. It's a whole celebration. You know, it was written last year, so it's still pretty relevant today. And again, as a young person watching Dawson's Creek, like, especially with Dawson's Creek, seeing Jack's character is so important for the gay community as well as for all kids growing up, because it shows this character's struggle with his sexuality and how it affects everyone around him and how his parents are treating him. And, you know, these are a lot of the things that people go through still today. And so I think that it's still relevant. Yeah. And, you know, if if anybody is interested, it's on Netflix right now. Okay. So I know you're not going to watch it, but.
1: (laughs) But here's something that's amazing. And think about this less than 20 years after that show was prevalent, you get a character like David Rose and Patrick in Shit's Creek. Mm -hmm. And their dynamic, they're my favorite on screen romance in terms of TV. Like they're better than Jim and Pam. They're better than whoever from Mm -hmm. How I Met Your Mother or whatever. And their dynamic and their relationship is so good. And it is not couched in terms of look at how we're suffering or look at how we're perceived. It gets to be normal. And I don't think yeah. you get there without integral characters like this person who from a show I've never watched. Just hearing that arc, I can definitely see how that would positively impact people. And that would definitely have a trajectory beyond. And I think there are lots of queer themes, but that's one of the things. If you're if you're not looking for it, you're not aware of some of these things, you might not go that far. And that's a great way of creating a sense of inclusion when you normalize a lot of these things. And then so people who are like heteronormative and go, oh, you mean I don't have to overhaul my entire persona and personality to be a tolerant human being and an accepting human being? And I think that when you allow that sense of normalcy is when those people stop being closed-minded bigots.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Put my glasses on because I I use closed-minded bigots. So I have to make my... Brain look open. My glasses are the, <laughs> the doorway to my soul. Ah. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I just had an idea for a, sh- a shirt. It's the Goon Show, our logo, the Goon Show, because I was thinking about assholes and, and Jason things, and so it popped in my brain. It's the Goon Show throwing up a rainbow onto like a little goblin that says, no, just let me be hateful. Do you like that as an idea for a shirt?
0: Oh, that's fun. I think I might do that. I like that. That'd be cute. I like it better than the, what was it, the penis you showed me last week? Oh, yeah, this is a great point. We're
1: close to the end of the episode. So for our $5 patrons, we're going to be doing bonus episodes called Yum, uh, which is we're, we're going to do little episodes where the only research we do is looking at a Wikipedia article and we're just going to talk shit about it. So, yeah, they're going to be horror related and fun and ridiculous. And the logo that I made has the little Wikipedia globe, but it's two balls and a shaft going into the goon show's mouth. So I think it's great. And also, I love when my wife said it Wikipedia PM last night to me and I laughed so hard I woke up my daughter and my son. Oh,
0: well, at least it was a good moment. It's
1: great. It was worth it. It
0: was worth it. Yeah. Well, that's great. So, yeah, I guess we're coming up to the end of the episode.
1: So I'll take Doug's usual part. If you want to see more of me. Or see me at all because you usually listen to me. That's fair. You can check out B-Movie TV, which is a Roku channel, and it's fucking free and awesome and not littered with disgusting ads. You can find me on Saturday nights at 10 p.m. You can find Doug on Friday nights at 8 p.m. Doug's show is Friday Night Action. My show is Saturday Night Terrors. He does Grindhousey action, schlocky stuff. I occasionally get a couple of those. I got a Filipino action film that was pretty rad called Dead Ringers, which kind of sucked, but I kind of loved it. Had lasers, not too bad. My movies are predominantly horror, creature features, weirdness, and I have some really great stuff. I actually just, while we were recording, got a message from my producer with four more films for my next one, so I'm very excited to delve into those. Check out all of the B-Movie TV content. It's very good. Now, Adrian, I'm going to kick it over to you. Let's say I have just too much money. And I just don't want the money anymore. But I don't want to give it to like a charitable organization or something that's going to change the world. I just want to change three idiots' lives marginally. How would I do that?
0: Well, you could join our Patreon at patreon.com slash slashers pod. There are tiers from $1 all the way up to $10. So take a look at that. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming your way.
1: Wiki PPM
0: the wiki ppm (laughs) all month of june we're also doing our one minute reviews but you can purchase a one minute review remember people it's a movie of your choice
1: media of your choice
0: any media of your choice. But please don't ask me to watch porn. I'm not going to. Do- will well, do it. Jake will do it. It just depends on what porn it is.
1: I'll watch super gay porn for you. I have no problem with that at all. I remember, what was it? Religious, the Bill Maher film that had a clip from a gay porno. And I had a friend who was like so dramatic about it. I was like, oh, get the fuck over yourself. It's just a dude who's going to eat out another dude. Back off.
0: Well, yeah, they're actually show clips of uh, gay porn and Sex and the City. Okay, cool. I so that was probably my the first time I've ever saw porn. That's hilarious. Anyways. that's the first time. Yeah. Well, I we probably shouldn't have been watching Sex and the City that young anyway. So who knows? Oh, and then if you guys want to buy any t-shirts, stickers, any fun stuff that says Slasher's Podcast on it, Jake's got a lot of new great designs coming your way on our Redbubble at yep. slasherspod.redbubble.com. So feel free to jump in there and you know buy anything that makes your heart content.
1: All right. So this was your hosting job. So you have to say goodbye for everybody.
0: Oh, okay. So on behalf of Jake and myself, this is Adrian with Slashers Podcast saying goodbye and good day.
1: Don't say anything sexist or homophobic. I haven't stopped recording yet. Hey, goons. It is Cyber Slash 1000 with another hidden track for your fleshy, low ears. This week's track is the Swifts with their song, Zombie. This song is so catchy. You better wear 10 masks to prevent it from spreading through your earphones. Check out their social medias and website in the episode description or else I will bite your droopy booty hole.
2: Apocalypse is i I'm not forgetting you And you're not forgetting me If the hell never Dead, design now for getting you, and you're not for getting me. In this death, we will survive. dead cause I'm not forgetting you and you're not forgetting me if got have never
0: By your side.